here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When you call light darkness and darkness light, and when you call good evil and evil good, you know you're as a culture walking in darkness. But God has called you, you, to be a light, to stand up and to shine for Jesus Christ. I don't have to light all the world, but I do have to light my part. We are asked in the Bible to be a light to the darkness that envelops the world. We are to live in a way that is different, that sets us apart from other people. By following Jesus' example, we will find ourselves doing just that. Sounds simple enough, right? The darkness is strong, though, and is everywhere, and is always going to try to snuff out our light. Pastor Ed wants to encourage us in today's message to keep going, keep shining, and to keep relying on God to move in us and through us. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Light of the World. Let me read to you from Exodus chapter 10 some portions of Scripture. Pharaoh, stubborn once again, says, I will not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand toward heaven, and a deep and terrifying darkness will descend on the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his hand toward heaven, and there was a deep darkness over the entire land for three days. During all that time, the people scarcely moved, for they could not see. But there was a light as usual where the people of Israel lived. At that moment, there was a darkness so thick You could feel it. Cultures are shaped by story. In oral cultures, in history, where oral cultures would pass on their values and their traditions and the things that they felt were important, uh, they would tell about the heroes of the past and they were setting forth standards and values. Generations ago, pulpits throughout our land had a powerful impact. But then the adversary came, the enemy came, and he attacked the pulpits of our country. Where preachers no longer believed in the inerrancy of Scripture, no longer believed that it was God's inspired word, and they began preaching merely a social gospel without the power of God. And we have as surrendered, in a sense, the storytelling role to the secular media. They're creating the stories that people are living. You see, the downward spiral of morality You recognize the loss of values. The foundations are being taken away. And why? Well, just look at some of the movies and the television and all the things that are coming out. They picture Christians as bigoted, hard head, hard nosed, uh, not compassionate narrow-minded and they picture 
those living lives of sin as the people who are compassionate and have it together. And, and so they're telling the stories. And young people and older people are buying into it. We're seeing an erosion of morals within our nation. When you think about what's happening with homosexuality is just one example. Adultery, another example. Just this loss of sense of who we are and how we should live. It's the culture that's taking its cue from the storytelling institution that's saying, here are the values and here's how we should live. Christians, Let's be more influenced by this book than by the stream of thought that's polluting the land with its lies. Let the heavenly word filter into your heart and mind and soul and be guided by this book. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my way. Amen. We have literally pushed God out of the culture. We have literally said, right is wrong and wrong is right. Isaiah 5.20 reads, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That dark is light and light is dark. It's all turned upside down and inside out. Science has taken the place of God's word. And so many other things have taken the place of God's word. And science is good, but it's not a God. In Jonesboro, Arkansas, an 11 and 13-year-old pulled a school fire alarm. And the snoom sniper positions. Then they shoot at students and teachers as they file out the school, they kill four students and one teacher, wounding 11 others. In Oakland, California, a teenager with a knife chases a woman down the street with a crowd gathers and chants, kill her, kill her, like spectators at a sport event. Someone in the crowd finally trips the frightened woman, giving her assailant a chance to stab her to death. At Dartmouth, Massachusetts, three boys surround a ninth grade classmate. They stab him to death. Afterwards, they laugh and trade high fives like basketball players after they've sunk a shot. What's happening? God, we don't want you in our culture, in our schools, in our community. Now, just for a moment, imagine with me that a mosque was being built. Do you think that people in the community would call it a Goliath? Do you think things would be said? It doesn't fit in with the character of the community. Do you think a politician running would say, it can take two years if it's ever approved. I'm not saying they're doing it with any evil intent. I don't think that's the case, but do you see 
how the culture is so changed where Christianity and Christ church at a very subliminal level can be persecuted. Now, I'm careful in what I'm saying. Please, I don't think people have that intent. I don't want to be misquoted in what I'm saying. But I recognize a whole change in the fundamental atmosphere of our culture that makes that possible to happen. Let me read the words of James McHenry. Without morals... A republic cannot subsist any length of time. They, therefore, who are decrying the Christian religion, whose morality is so sublime and pure, are undermining the solid foundation of morals, the best security for the duration of free governments. God says that He's our light individually and nationally. And when we want to erase him from our history, push him out of public life, when we want to erase a heritage that made us great, we take away the foundation that will help us to continue into the future. Jesus Christ is the light that defeats the darkness. It delivers us out of it. It defeats it. In John 1.5, the New Jerusalem Bible reads, and light shines in darkness, and the darkness could not overpower it. In New Living Translation, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This scripture is powerful. It's saying that the darkness cannot crush the light. No matter how great the darkness is, it cannot put out the light of a candle. A light that defeats the darkness within. Ephesians 5, 8 to 9 reads, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as the people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. What happens in the believer's life, as the light shines on the inside, we go from one glory to another glory to another glory. The old writers and theologians would call it sanctification or holiness. I was talking to a Christian brother this past week. He was sharing with me in his devotions. He made the practice to confess sin. And so he came to a place and he couldn't think of anything to confess. And so he just didn't. A couple of days later he was driving. And God spoke to his heart. And said, son, you need to confess your pride. The closer we get to God, the more we realize we're sinful. We never stop sensing our need. We never stop sensing how much further we have to go. So what he is saying at this point is we walk with God 
There's an inner work of grace going on. In Romans chapter 13, 12, it reads, The night is nearly over, day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We put aside the lust of the flesh. We put aside the pride of life. We put aside the sinful desires and the powers that once entangled us so that we could move on with God and walk in the light of his holy word. See, God calls us to live holy, godly lives. Our aim, our goal is to please the Lord. Our aim and our goal is to do what's right in his sight. Our aim and our goal is not merely to outwardly observe things, but to inwardly observe things, to do what God wants us to do. That's why we don't get involved in pornography. That's why we don't live with each other without the benefit of marriage because we believe that marriage is a holy institution that God has ordained. And that's what God's word proclaims. That's why we don't go and lower ourselves down to another level and seek revenge and we are motivated out of selfishness or bitterness. That's why... We as a Christian community trust in the power of God. See, as a community who loves God and knows God and wants to walk with God, we're concerned about the heart attitude. We're concerned about our thoughts. We're concerned about our motivations. We let the Holy Spirit search us. See, unless God is shining in us, He cannot shine through us. Unless God is working on the inside, He's not going to be able to work on the outside. That's why when we come to church hear me church when we come to church it's not a matter of ritual it's not a matter of routine it's a matter of a relationship with God and there is a hunger on the inside that says oh God I want you as a deer pants after the water so panteth my soul after thee oh God there's a hunger on the inside that says God I'll not be satisfied until I am more like you Hallelujah. This past week, as I read some of those blogs, I have to be honest with you, I didn't feel so good. Some of them were real good. But in Micah, the prophet, it says this, Do not gloat over me, mine enemy. Though I have fallen, I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. There are times that Things may not go your way in school or your way at work or your way even in the home. But in that moment, in that hour, God is your light. You know, uh, they tell us that depression often comes in the winter season because the light shines less and the darkness is longer during the, the day, days. There's less light. They call it the sad syndrome. And they say it's good for a person to sit in a bright light for 20 minutes or 25 minutes uh, during that time of year if they're susceptible to that. Well, the Bible says, let the son of righteousness arise with healing in his rays. Sit in his presence. And there might be things that trouble you and concern you and let 
the joy of the Lord fill your heart. He'll turn it around. He'll make it different. He'll do something on the inside, even if the outside doesn't change or the circumstances don't change. See, we're to live in the power of light. This light defeats the darkness without. God gave a prophetic word to the nation of Israel. Their purpose, their calling, was to be a light to the nations. In Isaiah chapter 60, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What he was saying was that God was going to use Israel as a light to the nations and people would be drawn, people would come, people would be healed. God wants to do that in and through his church, in and through you and me. I think about medieval paintings. When they pictured saints, men and women of God, oftentimes there was a glow around their face. We call that a halo. It was no imagination merely of the painter. But have you ever noticed a person in the presence of God, there's a glow on them? Think of Moses coming off the mountain from his time with God. His face shone. And I've seen Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who radiate the very glory and the presence of God. You know, some people radiate emotions. Some people radiate a spirit of lust. I mean, they're on the internet looking at all sorts of garbage and their thoughts are filled with all sorts of evil. And you're in that, you feel that. Uh, Some people radiate anger. I mean, they're angry all the time. And you come into their presence and you feel it. Some people are filled with bitterness or a critical spirit. And it's not long before that just, just... Some people radiate God. I mean, they're in the presence of God. They're worshiping God. They're loving God. And in their presence, they take you right into the presence of God. And you just enjoy being with them. See, God's called us to be that type of people so that we radiate his presence, that we walk in his presence, so that when people are with us and when they see us, remember Charles Finney, the great revivalist? It was said that he would walk into a factory at times. He was so anointed by God's spirit. People didn't know who he was. But all of a sudden, people began to fall on their knees and they began to cry and repent and ask God to forgive them. Would to God that his presence would be on his people and in this church so that when people come in this church, they would sense God's presence and they would just say, oh, Lord, we need you. See, we need to be a light to the nations. We need to be a light to our community. I am thankful for the times that God tests us. Our real character is seen during times of testing. The trials and the criticisms and all of those things. Let the character of Christ come out. Don't strike back at people. Don't fight on their level. Go to God. Back in the year 2000, during the Summer Olympics, uh, there was... uh, uh, A man running, he was about 340 miles north of Sydney. And he was running with the torch and a teenager came up with a fire extinguisher and he tried to put out that torch. 
He wasn't able to. The man reached eventually the stadium and they lit the light in the stadium. There are those who are going to try and put out your light. They're going to try and squash it, quench it. You know, in New York City, coming in the airport, in Chicago and in other major cities, at night it's so beautiful. You look at all the lights in that city. But some of the most beautiful lights are right in the airport. And there's different colors and there's different appearances because it's guiding the plane in to show them how to land and where they are and uh, to guide them. We are to be a light in a dark world. People are trying to come in and have a safe landing. And we are the ones that point the way, that show. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Christianity Today told a story about Pearl River Central High School in Missouri. It was a public high school. They had a meeting, and God began to move in this meeting. The meeting was scheduled for an hour, but the Holy Spirit began to work. And so the principal felt, I've got to let this meeting go on. So they called the superintendent of principals, and they let it go on. And it turned into a revival where students began to ask each other forgiveness. They began to pray. They began to seek the Lord. And it transformed that school. 90% of the about 670 students were at that meeting. You know, if we had more of that, we may not have all the bomb scares, all of the problems. But to some, a revival would be far worse than the other things. When you call light darkness and darkness light, and when you call good evil and evil good, you know you're as a culture walking in darkness. But God has called you, you, to be a light, to stand up, and to shine for Jesus Christ. I don't have to light all the world, but I do have to light my part. The Apostle Paul heard the call from heaven. Young man, young woman, let God so reach into your heart and soul that you will say yes to his call and you won't veer off to it to the left or to the right. You won't back up, step down, turn around. You'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul what he said in Acts chapter 26. To open the eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so, O King Agrippa... I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. God has a purpose in your life. Don't let go of it. God has a plan for your life. Don't put it aside. God has a community 
that he wants you to reach, people that he wants you to touch. Let that light shine within so he might shine forth without. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's look at the Gospel of John. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media plan. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or a friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Gospel of John right here on Voice of Faith.